You're listening to Brave and Boss Podcast. On this week's episode, I am super excited to bring today's guest on because she is an expert in building a scalable and sellable business. So if you've ever thought about what you're going to do in 10 years with your business or five years in your business, this is the episode for you. She's a mega celebrity in the business buying and selling space, and I'm excited to share all her knowledge with you. So let's get into it. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, founder and CEO of the Ethical Fashion Brand Encircled, host of this podcast, business mentor, business coach. I am elated for you to be joining me again. Thank you to all of the repeat listeners. Thank you for all of your reviews and ratings. That means so much to me because it helps more people find the podcast and it helps me help more entrepreneurs, which is really what I'm doing this for. So, Before I get into the introduction on today's guest, which is a big one, I want to talk about a couple of things based on the date of airing of this episode. If you're listening to this real time on the release date or week of, I want to share with you a couple of fun opportunities where you can connect with me outside of the podcast. So uh, the first one I want to share with you is QuickBooks Connect Canada conference is coming up on Wednesday, June the 2nd. So basically that is a free conference hosted by QuickBooks. I am speaking at that conference. So I have basically an hour Q&A session that's running on that day. It, again, totally free. You can register online at QuickBooks Canada. Just put that in Google and you can get there super easy. And I'm also doing an Ask Me Anything. And I believe as of today, there's still spots left. And that is the day before on Tuesday in the morning. I think it's at 11 a.m. So just go to QuickBooks Connect Canada, register, and then you'll get a link for these brain dates. And basically you can book a brain date with me for free through that platform. There's limited availability, so I can only take, I think, five people for the hour, but it's an basically a power hour where you can ask me questions for free on your business. So if you've ever wanted to pick my brain, this is a great opportunity to do it. Part of the conference and supported by QuickBooks as they love supporting entrepreneurs. And the other opportunity I want to mention to you is from June 1st to June 3rd, there is a free summit called the e-commerce launch, grow and scale summit created by Deidre Sheen, the growth boss. And I'm also a speaker at that one. So there's over 33 incredible speakers and the topics range from product photography to paid advertising and everything in between. I personally am going to be speaking on email marketing and raising capital. So you can sign up for free. I'll put the link in the show notes for both of these to get there, to sign up if you want to register for either of these opportunities. And again, free, amazing, free education. Go for it. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about um, what this episode is all about before I get into introducing our guest. We'll keep it super succinct. But the title of this episode is really all about how to build a sustainable, scalable, and sellable business. 
I know personally when I started Encircled, I, you know, was not starting this business to sell it necessarily. I was starting it to follow my passion. But at the end of the day, you start thinking about it, you know, I'm eight years into this business. Where is this going? Like, how long am I going to be in this business? Do I want to do this for the rest of my life? And today's guest is really going to help you think through the answers to those questions. Because one of the things I learned from this interview is that a lot of us aren't asking these questions. So we're not even planning for the future. And oftentimes the plans get made for you. So if something happens in your life or your family or your health, and all of a sudden you have to figure out a way to potentially dispose of your business. So it's better to go into this with having a plan and a vision and making those types of goals in your vision for your business so that you can make sure that you set yourself up for success. Because after all, we're putting in so much effort into building these businesses. We want them to be successful, but we also want them to have a positive impact on the world, but also like you deserve to be rewarded financially for your efforts as well. So we're going to talk all about that today with my guest, Michelle Seiler Tucker. So she's the founder and CEO of Seiler Tucker Incorporated. She hosts holds the M and AMI Mergers and Acquisitions Master Intermediary title. That is super fancy. And the Certified Mergers and Acquisitions Professional. And she's a Certified Senior Business Analyst. Michelle also owns businesses in several different industries. She's been in the industry over 20 years, buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses. Between her and her firm, they've sold over a thousand businesses in pretty much almost every vertical and have a really big track record of success. Uh, She also has a book coming out very shortly, which we're going to share details on in the interview, as well as a link where you can get an advanced copy with a bunch of bonuses. Her book is called Exit Rich, which sounds so enticing. And it's really all about how to build that sustainable, scalable, and sellable business using her principles. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Michelle Seiler-Tucker. Okay, everybody, I'm super excited to welcome today's guest. She is an M&A expert and advisor and an author of the upcoming book, Exit Rich. Please welcome to the podcast, Michelle Seiler-Tucker. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to have you because when you popped into my inbox, I realized we have never had anybody on the show talking about buying, selling, and valuing a business. And like you and I chatted about briefly before this interview, you know, my audience is really new to all of this, but I think it's definitely a topic that they're going to be really excited to learn about. So let's kick off with an intro. Tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and why. Sure. So I'm Michelle Siler Tucker. You know, I typically start off with I'm a mergers and acquisitions master intermediary. <laughs> I'm gonna start off by saying I'm a mom. <laughs> I'm a mom of a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old little princess, 10 going on 21. <laughs> and I always say she's more complicated than any transaction I've ever done. So I'm a proud mama of my princess, Arabella. And um, I'm a Merchants Acquisitions Master Intermediary, Senior Business Analyst, along with many other acronyms. I've been in Merchants and Acquisitions for a little over 20 years. I've personally sold over 500 companies. My firm um, has sold probably a little over a thousand. We have done thousands and thousands of business evaluations. We don't just sell businesses. I also buy businesses and flip them. Mm -hmm. I partner with business owners, investing my capital, resources, expertise, 
core competencies. And sometimes I bring in other partners and I put them on a build to sell program. At any given time, I'll have five to 10 companies that I own that I'm actually building to sell. And we specialize in not just selling, but buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses so business owners can exit for their desired price tag and so that they can exit rich. I've written three books. One is published. One is coming out in June. And I have about seven more books in me. Plus, I'm an international speaker and mentor. Amazing. And wife. I I left out wife. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. What don't you do? This is I'm very lucky to snag you as a guest on the show. I mean, your website is beyond impressive and we'll link to it in the show notes as well. So people can check out your bio more, but tell me how you got started in this. Did you just like pop out of university or college? And you were like, I'm just really interested in business. Like, how did you get involved in M&A? So, yeah, no, I didn't just pop out of a university or pop out of my mother's womb and say, I'm going to sell businesses. (laughs) But I knew as a little girl, you know, I wasn't your typical little girl. I didn't walk around and play with toys and dolls. I walked around with a notebook and a pen and I would walk up to strangers at the grocery store, at the bank, anywhere. And I would just start asking them questions. What do you do? How do you do it? How'd you get started? (laughs) And I was doing it at a very young age, at like six, seven, eight years old. So I've always been fascinated with entrepreneurship. I've always been interested, you know, in people. I'm I'm a people person. I love people. And I've always been interested in writing. So I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur from young on, early on, because number one, my biggest pet peeve is I don't like to be told what to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Relatable. (laughs) Yeah. And my husband and I have been together for 25 years and he still tries to tell me what to do. Gosh, when are you going to learn? (laughs) So I knew I was always going to be an entrepreneur. I've owned several different businesses. I did go to work for corporate America. Actually, Xerox recruited me. Mm -hmm. And I went to work for Xerox within six months. My nickname became the closer because every time Mm -hmm. someone can close a deal, they would say, we'll call the closer. She can do it. She can close anything. (laughs) And then within six months, my supervisor came to me and, and, you know, asked me to interview for a regional vice president position that was coming up in Xerox, which was a very high up position and overseeing a hundred sales reps. And she said, look, you'll never get, it's a three month process. You'll never get it, but I think you should do it. Mm -hmm. And she said, you'll never get it because Xerox policy is you have to be here for two years before they promote you. Mm -hmm. And I said, why would I waste three months of my life to, to interview for something I'm never going to get? Mm-hmm. That was like a colossal waste of time. Mm-hmm. And she says, no, Michelle, it's the experience. You will learn more through this experience than really anything. Mm-hmm. And she was right. So so I said, okay. So uh, I threw my, my hat into the ring and interviewed with all the high level um, executives for Xerox around um, the country, around the United States, and went through Q&As, presentations, demonstrations. It was a three-month grueling process. And thinking I would never get it, but I always acted like I was going to get it. I always, I believe in law of attraction. So I saw myself in that position and I ended up, I did get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Xerox actually changed your policy for me and I got it. So I guess I truly am the closer. But then I realized very quickly, I didn't like it. Mm. Because I love, you know, I love meeting with clients. I love figuring out what the problems are, coming up with solutions. I like building friendships that last a lifetime. And when you're working at that level, you know, a high-level executive for a Fortune 500 company, you for corporate America, you're not really 
doing that. You're not really solving problems. You're having meetings to schedule follow-up meetings, schedule more meetings <laughs> and just so much paperwork and so much red tape and, you know, nothing ever gets decided upon. And I decided, you know, I, I just missed entrepreneurship. So I started looking for entrepreneurship opportunities and stumbled across a franchise that, that my husband and I knew the owner of. And actually my husband knew the owner of. They had a few locations. And I said, look, I think I want to buy your franchise. I was going to keep my six-figure great benefits position because I was, I knew I was going to move up that Xerox ladder really quickly. But entrepreneurship runs in my blood, so I needed my fix. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I wanted the franchise. And they said, well, we don't want you to buy a franchise. We know of you. We know of your reputation. And we want you to partner with us. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, I don't know if I want to partner with you and give up my six-figure position because you're not even successful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have a couple of locations. Mm -hmm. I said, let's try it out for six months. So I did that. So I tried it out for six months. Within six months, so I kept, you know, I kept working at Xerox during a week, nights and weekends. I would go to trade shows, go to franchise shows, you know, hold events. And within six months, I sold, I don't know, 50 franchises. I made more money in six months than I made an entire year at Xerox. Wow. And wow. so I knew it was the right move for me to leave. Um, Xerox, which are, of course I said I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, so I did that and sold hundreds, one hundreds of franchises, and um, started my franchise development, franchise consulting, and franchise sales company. Then I found myself again. Here we are in a law of attraction moment when buyers kept coming to me asking for existing businesses, and all we had was new franchises. And I kept saying no, 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 and I'm a yes person. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, let's make it happen. Let's figure it out. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so then I'm like, you know what? I need to stop saying no. I need to start saying yes. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started my M&A practice. Wow. What a story. That's amazing. I'm so inspired by what you've done so far. I mean, your book title of your upcoming book, Exit Rich, kind of says it all. Like, I definitely <laughs> am going to buy a copy of this book 1000% because at the end of the day, even though like a lot of my audiences I talked about are, you know, startup entrepreneurs. And personally, I got into entrepreneurship because I was very driven by my passion for sustainability in the fashion space. But, you know, at the end of the day, we do all want to make a good living and be rewarded for our efforts. So, you know, thinking about my audience a little bit, like they're really early stage. They're just getting going. Maybe they're doing a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue, or maybe below that, a few of them may be cracking that million dollar revenue figure. Like at what stage should a business start thinking about their plan for exiting? Is that something that's like a revenue thing, or is that more of a life plan? Or how does one even start digging into, you know, that process of exiting your business? So let me answer that for you. You said process. Are you, are you Canadian? <laughs> Yes, I'm Canadian. <laughs> I'm an ex-management consultant and I'm Canadian. So I say process <laughs> instead of process. <laughs> I just did a podcast with a Canadian earlier. And I said, you must be Canadian. It's a process. That giveaway. <laughs> it is a dead giveaway. So anyway, and I love Canadians. Some of my best friends are, are from Canada. So um, uh, let me answer that a couple of ways. First and foremost, Steve Forbes, who endorsed Exit Rich. Mm -hmm. Steve Forbes. Mm -hmm. it says 80% of businesses will not sell. Eight out of 10 companies will not sell. Wow. The number one reason that businesses don't sell, and they certainly don't sell for the price tag that the owners want to sell for so they can retire on, the reason they don't exit rich is because they don't plan their exit. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. They never think about selling until a catastrophic event has occurred, whether that's internal or external, internal meaning health issues, partner disputes, divorce, Mm -hmm. burnout, competition, you know, business not doing well, death. Mm -hmm. external is this pandemic we're in that we've been in for the last year and a half. The worst time to sell your company is during a catastrophic event. The best time to sell your company when it's company, when your company is in its prime, Mm -hmm. but so many brokers, so many advisors give bad advice. They tell business owners, well, gosh, if it's a cash cow, if it's in its prime, you need to keep it. No, you don't need to keep it. You need to sell it when it's in its prime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and reasons for that, you're going to get maximum value when the business is in its prime and businesses don't stay in their prime forever. Mm-hmm. What goes up must come down, right? So I take my clients through what's called a GPS exit model. When do you start? Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. So my ST GPS exit model that we talk about in Exit Rich is basically that. When you want to drive somewhere, Christy, in Canada or America, what do you do? You pull out Google Maps and you plug in your? Destination. Destination. If you don't plug in a destination, where do you end up? Um, nowhere, probably. Nowhere. Lost, maybe. <laughs> nowhere lost. And that's where most business owners are. They don't have a destination, so they end up lost. They end up driving around in circles, driving up and down the financial hills to end up broke. Many of them end up selling for pennies on the dollar, Mm -hmm. closing their business or even worse, filing bankruptcy. So they need a destination from day one of buying or starting their business. Now, you can adjust yourselves along the way, but you need that end game. You need that desired price. I always tell my clients, pick a number. Mm-hmm. Pick a number. And I always get hung up on a number. And I'm like, don't get hung up on a number. You can always change it. So let's say your destination is 10 million. Mm-hmm. You want to sell for 10 million. What does the GPS exit model need to know now? Where you're starting from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It always needs your current location. If you ever notice when you're like downtown Chicago or downtown New York or downtown a major city that when you go to like Uber or Google Maps or something, it always asks to clarify your location. <laughs> yes, yes. So the GPS model needs to know what your current location is. What is your current evaluation? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. most business owners, Christy, never ever have had evaluation done. I just met with an owner that had been in business for 40 years. Never wow. had a business evaluation. We go to the doctor once a year. Us women go to multiple doctors once a year. Well, we go to a doctor once a year to make sure our heart's still ticking, we're still kicking. We take our car to the shop to get an annual tune-up, but we don't take our most valuable asset, which is our business, and get an annual valuation checkup. That's financial suicide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every year, you need to know what your business is worth because there are events that increase valuations. There are events that decrease valuation, like this pandemic that we're all in. Right, right. So you must know what your business is worth. So let's say you want to sell for 10 million. That's your destination, your current location, your current valuation. Let's say you're worth 2 million. Next thing you want to know is time frame. Mm-hmm. Let's say you want to do this in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Then you need to know who are my buyers going to be? Mm-hmm. Notice I said buyers, not buyer. Mm-hmm. Because clients come to me all the time and say, Michelle, I just need you to represent me with this one buyer. And I'm like, nope, I won't do it. <laughs> They're like, why not? And I go, because I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing you any service because 90% of the time that one buyer will not close on the sale of your business. Mm-hmm. And then you have no backup buyers. So yes, I'll represent you for that one buyer, but we're also going to put it on the market and bring you backup buyers. 
Mm-hmm. You never want to put your eggs in one buyer's basket. Plus, how can I maximize value on the sale of your business if I can't create competition because I have one buyer? Right, right. So there's five different types of buyers. Your listeners need to know about the five types. Okay. 90% of buyers are first-time buyers. So when you're trying to build your GPS exit model, one of the the steps in the model is determine who your buyer is going to be, your buyers, what type. 90% of buyers are first-time buyers. They don't buy $10 million companies. They buy small businesses. Mm -hmm. You can rule them out. The second type of buyers turnaround specialists. They buy distressed assets. They don't buy $10 million companies. Mm -hmm. Third type of buyers, PEGs, private equity groups. Mm-hmm. Private equity groups buy based on platforms and add-ons. Mm-hmm. So a platform is, let's say they want to get into the e-commerce space mm-hmm. and they don't have a platform in the e-commerce space. They won't even consider your company unless it has at least $3 million in EBITDA. Right. EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say they're already in commerce. They already have an e-commerce platform. They will look to buy smaller e-commerce businesses as what's called add-ons mm-hmm. for the current platform. And then they will consider businesses under a million in EBITDA. Then you have strategists and competitors. They pay the highest multiple. They typically will pay the highest multiple because they're buying synergies. They're buying contracts. They're buying trademarks. They're buying patents. They're buying customer base. They're buying databases. They're buying brands. Mm-hmm. Plus, they take advantage of economies of scale. Plus, they look at the core infrastructure and say, oh, okay, well, I don't need this distribution center or this fulfillment center because I have fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And they look at what they can cut in operations so that they can increase EBITDA from day one. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth type of buyer, the last type of buyer is sophisticated entrepreneurs. Right. They're industry agnostic. They chase EBITDA. Mm-hmm. Those are your five types of buyers. So then... Now that you have your plan, Christy, I want to sell for 20 million. I'm worth two million. I want to do it in 10 years. My buyers are going to be either PEG, strategic slash competitor, or sophisticated entrepreneur. Now you need to know, well, where's my numbers need to look like? Where's my gross revenues need to be? Mm-hmm. My COGS. Most importantly, my EBITDA. How much mm-hmm. EBITDA do I need? You're going to need between 1.5 to 2 million in EBITDA. Mm-hmm. A year. Depending upon your synergies. A year. Dependent yeah. upon your synergies. And most buyers will look at, some will look at a two to three average. Some will look at 12 months trailing. It really depends upon the buyer. Mm-hmm. And then the last equation in that model is the why. Mm-hmm. Why? If it was easy to sell for $10 million, everyone would be doing it. Right. So why do you want to sell for 10 million? Your why has to be powerful enough to keep you in the game, to keep you weathering all the financial storms and, you know, to keep you motivated, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. the GPS exit. Everybody should do it now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's so much to unpack there. I mean, you just dropped a, a, probably about a, an MBA there in your last like few sentences for all of our listeners, basically on how to go through this process. Um, you know, I think it's really interesting that you talk about that evaluation and how we go to the doctor and, and take care of our health, but we're not looking at the health of our business. So I kind of want to start there a little bit, like who would be that person who would actually look at you know, let's say my business on an annual basis and tell me if it's like healthy or not, or give me evaluation. Is that an accountant? Is that typically somebody like yourself or a wealth advisor? Like who does that kind of work? No, I would not say it's uh, an accountant because accountants are typically 
that's typically not related to our core competency. They might do mm-hmm. evaluations as a small part of their business every now and then they might do evaluations, but it's really not their core competency. And valuations are really more of an art rather than a science. Mm-hmm. It's based, you know, we use six different approaches, but it's also we know who the buyers are. So we know, you know what? These buyers will pay more for those synergies. So mm-hmm. we're going to go to market without a price and create a bidding war. Mm-hmm. Accountants don't know how to do that. Right. And even yeah. do wealth advisors. Yeah. So M&A advisors is who you should align yourself with. We have a program that, that we work with clients on where we put them into a road to sell program. We call it a road to sell. Mm-hmm. And um, we do the valuation at the beginning. We take them through what we call the six Ps. And, you know, we do annual checkups on our business. So mm-hmm. you really have to align yourself with an advisor who knows the buyers, who knows the synergies, who knows how to get you to build upon the right synergy so you can increase value. Because mm-hmm. not everything increases value. Right. Yeah. You talked about EBITDA being like a really key metric for valuing a business and that you have six different kind of approaches to that valuation. I think our listeners would be really familiar with valuations from shows like Shark Tank and up here in Canada, Dragon's Den, where, you know, brands go on and say how much their company's worth. And oftentimes the dragons or the sharks will say, that's insane. (laughs) And somebody's like (laughs) valued it way too high. Or sometimes somebody's giving away like a massive portion of their business for very little. I think it's very hard to like nail that number. And, you know, personally, I was on Dragon's Den a long time ago with my business and I actually nailed my valuation. And I think the only reason I did was because I'd found some random calculator online and then added a 20% or something like that. Um, <laughs> and the deal didn't go through on Dragon's Den, full disclosure, but eventually I took on an investor at a higher valuation. But, you know, I think that's a, like a muddy water for a lot of our listeners. They're like, how could I even, you know, if I'm doing $200,000 in revenue right now, and maybe let's say like 50,000 in EBITDA, that's, that would be a pretty profitable business. Like, how do I even begin to put together even what I'm worth at it? Like even a cursory, like, high level? Like, is there any way to do that? Just like estimating it? Or do you really need that like expert, like analyst to come you in? Really, you really do need an expert. And here's the reason why. Because most business owners, rather it's that 200 in revenue and 50 in EBITDA, or it's, you know, $5 million company and a million in EBITDA. Most, most owners are not crystal clear on their numbers. They mm. really don't know what their numbers are. We go through a process called normalizing the financials. Mm-hmm. You know, we go to just EBITDA where we add back, you know, interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. But then we also add back personal expenses, non-recurring, et cetera. A lot of business owners are so used to running personal expenses through their business that they actually forget what they're running through their business. I don't know if they do that in Canada, but they do that in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, a lot of times I forget, oh, you know what? I just had to replace a roof and that cost me 30 grand. We don't replace a roof every year. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a client who moved their, loca- their business. It cost them about $50,000 to move their business. They don't do that every year. Mm-hmm. So we really need, you know, and most business owners don't really understand the numbers. So you really need an expert to do that, to normalize the financials, really pull market comps because we looked at, you know, discounted cash flow, the asset approach, so the sold approach, market approach. And then we also take our clients through the six P's because the six P's is what adds value. Yes, EBITDA is important. Numbers are important. But the way that you get a higher multiple is by building the synergies. Businesses that trade for under a million dollars in EBITDA 
will typically trade for a multiple of anywhere from one to three and a half, maybe typically one to three, maybe three and a half to four, but you better have a lot of synergies and you better be well-branded. Mm-hmm. Businesses that trade, that have over a million EBITDA will typically go for five and up. So big difference. Mm-hmm. And then those synergies is what will take you from a five to six or from a five to an eight. Mm-hmm. From a five to a nine, building your business on the infrastructure of the six P's that we talk about in Exit Rich is what builds your valuation. Interesting. So, without giving it away, because I know we really want people to go out and buy your book when it's ready, but can you talk about maybe one of the other P's that you talk about in the book? Sure. And here's the level? bottom line: I could give you the all the six P's, Christy. I'm still not giving the book away because <laughs> you know there are six chapters and and a book that's 23 chapters, 325 pages. Half of the book is about building your infrastructure. The other half is about valuations and normalizations and, and packaging your business for sale or negotiations and, you know, non-negotiables with the five types of buyers and cl- due diligence. I mean, we would have to talk for hours upon hours for me to get the whole book away. <laughs> but I'll start with the very first P, which is probably the biggest P, which is where most business owners fail. Okay. And that P is people. Oh, interesting. Okay. Most business owners, especially e-commerce businesses, SaaS businesses, digital marketing businesses, you know, they don't all have people. So, but a lot of businesses, even service businesses, a dentist, you know, I had a dentist come to me and he said, Michelle, I want to sell my business, been in business 50 years. I have three dental hygienists, no other dentists. I said, okay, I can sell it. We're not going to, oh, by the way, it's three dental hygienists for his daughters. Oh, good. <laughs> so I said, I can sell it. We're not going to be able to maximize value because you are the business, but you need to stay for two to three years and the purchase price will be contingent upon such. And he said, Oh, no, we're not staying. I said, well, then you're not selling. (laughs) Mm. So number one is people. Look, you don't build a business, you build people and people build the business. You have to have a business that runs without you. If you are the business, your business is going to be very difficult to sell. Very difficult to sell. Now, e-commerce is a little bit easier because there's e-commerce businesses are gobbling up other e-commerce businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And they have the people and they have the infrastructure. So it's not as imperative as other industries. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Totally um, makes sense. Yeah. We're selling a business between 50 to $70 million right now, 300 employees, but guess what? That business would never survive without the owner. Oh, interesting. Never survive because he has relationships with the clients. That part, he never duplicated. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, so, and, and he's got so much IP in his head is really never been documented. Yeah. So that speaks so, to the importance of hiring a team to support you. And also I'm going to use the P word again, process, um, having systems and processes in place to support the business as well so that yeah. it can run without you, which I think a lot of the listeners right now may not have. So I think that's a really important point that you're so making. People is huge and processes is a third P. Oh, cool. <laughs> but, Yay. <laughs> yeah. But people is huge. So people. Okay. So let me tell your listeners this. Entrepreneurs got to focus on their strengths, hire their weaknesses. Mm. you got to, you, you will never grow unless you let go of the control mm-hmm. and you got to put the right people in the right seats. Now, e-commerce is, is fortunate because you can hire subcontractors. Right. Also, you got to ask the who question, who handles customer service, who handles marketing, billing, mm-hmm. legal, fulfillment, distribution, manufacturing, quality control. The tasks, the list of tasks go on and on. The clue here, Christy, is you should never be next to the who. (laughs) 
They yeah. want a business to run without you. And if you're ever going to build a business to sell for in the millions, you need the management team as well. Yeah. The business, the entrepreneur should be the visionary working on the business, not in it. A lot of business owners have created a glorified job and want you to go to work at every day versus a job that actually, a business that actually works for them. Oof. That, I, I know, feel that so I, much. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's a little tough. Yeah, um, no, I the buyers won't buy. Buyers don't want to buy a job now. And I did tell you, e-commerce is a little bit easier because there are so many e-commerce businesses that have the infrastructure that will gobble up those e-commerce businesses that don't have it. You might not be able to maximize value, but you could still be purchased. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. I have a small team. Like we have uh, 16 people at our company right now. We're hiring two more right now, but for a very long time, I had no leadership team. It was just me. I was the who in all of those seats. So <laughs> um, that is definitely not scalable from a selling perspective and also from a personal and self-care and, you know, work-life balance perspective either. So you can really be on the fast track, I think for burnout, which probably makes your business not so attractive either, I would guess. Yeah. And, you know, we all go through that. We all entrepreneurs go through that in the beginning, but you know, as you grow, like I always say, if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. Yeah, that's true. That is a quotable. <laughs> that one we're going to lock down. And quote that one out. I was on a podcast yesterday. They do coaching, I think in a digital marketing space. And he goes, I'm going to double click on that one. <laughs> so every time I say something memorable, he's like, I'm double clicking that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've ever read the book, um, E-Myth, um, mm -hmm. such a great book, but, it, and, and it talks about, um, you know, really, you know, if you're not creating <laughs> these positions and you're in, you're in all these seats, then you've just become like the world's toughest boss on yourself. Like you just created a job where you're being managed by yourself. Who's also very hard on you. And you've essentially just created another nine to five job, which is not yeah. why we often start as entrepreneurs. Like you talked about in your startup journey, a lot of us join entrepreneurship for that, you know, freedom lifestyle and that ability to direct the ship and the sales. Um, so I think he makes such good points there. Um, and well, so and visionaries too. Think about this, yeah. Christy, entrepreneurs and visionaries are not good at the day-to-day. -day. Yeah. We're not good at the details. The devil's in the details. We're good at the visionary. We're good at growing. We're good at coming up with ideas. Every visionary needs an integrator. Yes. Yes. Every visionary needs an integrator. Yeah, we talk about that a lot on the podcast because I use Traction EOS, Entrepreneurs Organizational yep. System at Encircled. And we I talk about Gina Wickman's book a lot yep. here, yep. Um, yep. you know, and I'm kind of a visionary integrator right now, but I'm hiring an integrator actually this week, starting this week. So it's hard to find a good integrator. It's hard. Yeah. You, it's a really specific skill set um, and one that I don't really possess. So I've had to kind of like flex to do it and I'm not doing it very well. And you know, it's, I, I highly recommend that book too. Is that yeah. something that you tell people about too? Is that like a system that you recommend to? Um... Well, rather it's traction because look, an integrator can be an integrator without necessarily being an attraction model, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have also done a lot of work with Brad Sugars with Action Coach. I mean, he's endorsed Exit Rich. He's given us a glowing testimonial. Oh, cool. Um, so there's a lot of different systems out there. I do like traction. I do like action. I just feel like whatever system works best for you, mm -hmm. but you know, I also have a system for my clients to get them through what we call the road to sell, build to sell, to get their business tip top shape so they can maximize value and exit rich. Yes. Um, so I have that too, but I do always recommend for everyone to get an integrator an implementer, whatever you want to call it, someone that can take your visions and make it happen. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the point is whatever system you have, whether it's your system or right. somebody else's system that you have a system in place. Correct. Cause I think yeah. a lot of businesses, um, business owners that are listening right now, they may not have that system yet. And I, I think that can in itself bring so much ease to the business by just focusing and prioritizing what's most important and getting everybody kind yeah. of aligned, um, to the objectives. So, yeah, but I also have my own, you know, ideas of, what makes processes good and not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, good, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the third P. Um, if you want me to talk about processes real yeah. quick. Yeah. Yeah. If you can do that real quick, that'd be great. Yeah. I think so. Here's, here's where a lot of business owners get this wrong. <laughs> processes are kind of like exit strategy. Business owners don't think about it until something bad happens. They're like, oh my gosh, we need a process for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we had a client who had, um, who had just horrible, horrible bashing on the internet because her customer service was terrible. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, we need a process for customer service for client care. And I'm like, really? You needed that beforehand. <laughs> you know, that's a little late. Yeah. We had yeah. another client that had a catastrophic event happen on the manufacturing floor where an employee lost a limb oh. and was getting lawsuits and everything else handed down. It's going to have to file bankruptcy. He goes, Michelle. We need a process for manufacturing, you know, for health and safety on the manufacturing floor. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, it's a little late for that. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. go to bankruptcy court, you know. So processes need to be, it's kind of like exit strategy. You got to think about them from the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, buying or starting your business. And here's where, where here's where everybody gets it wrong. Not everybody, but most. Most business owners look at their business, they come up with a mission, they come up with a vision, and they're like, okay, what are our processes? And they start trying to design processes, but processes come out of necessity, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an issue. We need a process for that. Oh, that's a problem. We need a process for that. Processes really should be designed with the customer experience in mind. Mm-hmm. So what you should be doing is, is, is getting a pen and paper right now and writing down what your customers want to experience, what you want your customers to experience. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch the movie, The Founder? Yeah, I've seen it. One of the best movies ever, right? Yes. Yeah. So back in the 50s, the McDonald brothers, back in the 50s said, we want to design a fast food, we want a fast food restaurant because there wasn't one. Mm -hmm. We want a fast food restaurant and we want to design a fast food system with processes, but we we want to design around these experiences. We want our customers to experience great tasting food that's hot, fast, 30 seconds or less. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yes. And do you remember that they took all their employees and went to the tennis courts? <laughs> yes. The empty tennis courts. They took chalk. They drew out the processes. They all bumped into each other. They were all stepping on each other's toes. Yes. And even one of the McDonald brothers was standing up on a high ladder, looking down and kind of like was, you know, orchestrating mm-hmm. what they should be. It was like a symphony of processes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they spent nine hours there until they figured out. Who takes the order? Who toasts the buns? Who cooks the burger? Who puts the two pickles on the bun? Gives it to the client 30 seconds or less. Those processes were designed back in the 40s and 50s. Even though they've been tweaked along the way, you can eat at McDonald's anywhere on the road and still get the same experience, right? Mm -hmm. Because they designed their processes around the customer experience. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Totally makes sense. They can also fire somebody really quickly and get somebody up and running that front counter or that drive-thru window within 30 minutes because of their SOPs. Yes. So they designed it with a customer experience. Have you ever dealt with a company where you have issues, a bank, social media, retail, 
and you call and you have to push, oh, push two for this person, three for this person, six for this person. Mm-hmm. You finally get a live person. You got to tell your story. Then they want to transfer you to somebody else. Now tell your story again. And they want to transfer you to somebody else. Yes. Has that ever happened to you? Banks, usually banks, for sure. <laughs> banks, social media companies are the worst. Banks are notorious for this. Yeah, and so is retail companies. But there, or have you ever been to a doctor, like a chiropractor, where they say, well, my hours are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, from 9 to 12, and then I come back from 3 to 5. <laughs> <laughs> they, those processes are designed around the owner's agenda, mm-hmm. the board's agenda. The employee's agenda. It's not designed around the customer experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not customer centric when that's, and I used to work in management consulting and that's all they talked about in retail was like how everybody wanted to be a customer centric retailer, but nobody could actually do it because the board or the CEO or the C-level had like a totally different idea of what that looked like. Exactly. Um, And nobody actually talked to the customers to ask them what they wanted, which is exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what I say all the time. Talk to your clients, ask them, what do you want? What do you need? How can I make it easier for you to do business for me? If you design your processes around your customer experience and and deliver wow, wow, wow experiences, Mm -hmm. then somebody will be happy to do it for you. Whoever makes it easiest for the consumer to purchase products and services is a company that's winning. Amazon is winning because they make it so easy to practically purchase anything. You can practically buy a horse on Amazon and have it (laughs) delivered in two days. They make it easy. You can do it through Alexa. They got the wand. They, they deliver yeah. in two days. Now they just bought a bunch of planes and they're going to deliver in one day. Wow. So you got to stop and ask yourself, what do we want our customers to experience? And everything should fall from that. Yes. Then, of course, your processes should be productive, efficient, because they should be cutting costs, increasing profits, increasing EBITDA, and they should be well-documented, well-papered, and yeah. policy procedure manuals, SOP checklist. Employee yes. handbooks. Yes to all of this, Michelle. I, I want to be respectful of your time because I know we only have a few <laughs> minutes left. I feel like I could talk to you for hours and just geek out on all this stuff. I've learned so much from you. But maybe before we jump into a few hot seat questions, I just want to ask you a little bit more about what's next for you. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about your book that's coming out and when that's launching. Sure. So what's next for me? Getting this book launched. <laughs> uh, because, you know, we, we had to pivot a couple of times too because of because of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what's big and next for us. Um, but where can people get the book? So let me tell you a little bit about the book. Mm-hmm. Exit Rich was endorsed by Steve Forbes. Steve Forbes says Exit Rich is a goldmine for entrepreneurs because they leave way too much money on the on the table the sell of their business, plus eight out of 10 businesses will not sell. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheryl Lecter is my co-author who wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. Oh, amazing. Great book. She's yeah. a New York Times bestselling author five times. We're trying to make her number six with Exit Rich. Mm-hmm. And um, she is also a CPA, financial literacy expert, and the advisor to, to different presidents. Um, in addition to that, the original Shark on Shark Tank, Kevin Harrington wrote our foreword. Amazing. Um, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen from Chicken Soup from the Soul gave us a glowing testimonial. So did Brian Tracy, Tom Hopkins, Les Brown, Brass Sugars from Action Coach, and um, Grant Cardone's team. Amazing. Wow. And so Exit Rich comes out in June. Okay. Um, but you don't have to wait till June. So you can go to exitrichbook.com today. Okay. And order Exit Rich for $24.79, which is less than Amazon. 
<laughs> I'm so happy to say that. Let's Amazon. Um, we will email you the digital download so you don't have to wait to read Exit Rich. Let me give you a quick case study. We have a company that we're going to be selling in the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. And um, he bought the book, printed it out because it's digital, printed it out. He said, Michelle, I started using it as a workbook. <laughs> he wow. says it's the best business book I've ever read because mm-hmm. Exit Rich is not just about selling. It's about building your infrastructure. It's about building a sustainable, scalable business. Mm-hmm. So he said, I started, uh, started using it as a workbook. I went through every chapter and I put my, my exit plan together based upon your book. And then I said, well, in addition, I got to hire Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> so he went through everything and went through the six P's and our strength thing. He sent me a huge spreadsheet of all of his six P's for his three different companies and where each company is. Wow. And then tell me what each company needs. And so now we're working together to strengthen his weakest piece and we will be putting him on the market for probably about 50 million. Wow. That's impressive. So that's a case study. So you can start reading Exit Rich today, the digital version. You can use it as a workbook like he did. And then we'll ship the hardcover to your doorstep for anyone that lives in America. Sorry, <laughs> Canada. For anyone that lives outside America, there is ex- extra additional shipping, of course. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And okay. then we will also give you a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club. And the Exit Rich Book Club, we um, there is video content of me doing deep dives in these different strategies and techniques and, you know, things that I've been teaching for the last 20 years in the trenches. Plus, Christy, there's documents, Mm -hmm. documents to run your business, documents to sell your business. We have sample policy and procedure manuals, org charts, employee handbooks, sample letter of intents, sample purchase agreements, due diligence checklist, and sample closing documents. All of these documents are there for you to review and your download. And yes, you can use them, but remove Tyler Tucker. I just had a lady email me yesterday. She goes, can I use this? And I go, you have to remove my company name. (laughs) She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) But if you went, if you went to an attorney to recreate all this stuff, it would cost you thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Plus we also will give you a 30 day free membership in the club CEOs, which is an entrepreneur mastermind that I founded where we really help business owners get unstuck, you know, and pivot and build that sustainable, scalable, sellable business. Wow. All for $24.79. What can you buy these days for $24.79? <laughs> Not much. Maybe like two lattes from Starbucks. potentially. <laughs> so that's like really great value. I mean, that's amazing value for all of what you just said there. So we'll definitely include those links in the show notes. So let's jump into a couple of hot seat questions and then we'll go into where people can find you online if they want to follow you on social media or your website or whatnot. So what's one non-negotiable step in your morning routine? Gratitude, give gratitude. Ooh, I love that. If you had an extra thousand dollars in your business today, what would you spend it on? Probably my employees. Oh, I love it when people say that. <laughs> I've heard that a couple of times and it always warms my heart. Employees are really important. Um, okay. And my last question, what's your favorite podcast that you're listening to right now? Exit Rich. Ah, you're- <laughs> well, podcast. Okay. Other than your own. <laughs> you know, and I would tell you, okay, so I'm going to be completely transparent, right? Um, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. You're going to laugh at me. Well, I don't know if you can laugh at me, but 
I listen to a lot of audio tapes, mm-hmm. a lot of audio books. Yeah. Um, right now I'm listening to Bob Proctor, who's Canadian, by the way. Yeah, I love Bob Proctor. <laughs> yeah, he's great. So I'm listening to Bob Proctor. Yeah, I probably should listen to more podcasts, but like I'll put on Tony Robbins, I'll put on Bob Proctor, I'll put on, you know, somebody who I feel resonates with me. Also, my daughter, I want her to to listen to, um, you know, different different influencers like Bob mm-hmm. Proctor. Yeah. No, Bob's, Bob's amazing. Super inspirational. I've met him a few times. In fact, I spoke on stage with him. I didn't know he was Canadian. Wow. I feel very ultra proud right now. Oh my gosh. He's Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So as we wrap up, where can people find you? What's your key website? Um, you know, what are any social media accounts that you want people to give you a follow at? So my main, um, my main website is SylerTucker.com, spelled S-E-I-L-E-R-T-U-C-K-E-R, SylerTucker.com. And then I'm everywhere. Um, I am on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what it is now? No. <laughs> I'm on Instagram, so you can follow me there. On all my social media, it's always Michelle Siler Tucker, Michelle Siler Tucker on Facebook, Michelle Siler Tucker on Instagram, Twitter. Awesome. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so I'm everywhere. I can also have um, my office send you those links to put in your cool. show notes if you like. Great. Yeah, we'll link to all those in the show notes. We'll also link to the pre-order of the book on your website. Thank you so much, Michelle, for your time. I personally learned a lot and I know my listeners will have found so much value out of this episode. And I really encourage everybody to go and pre-order her book, Exit Rich. Thank you, Michelle. Have a wonderful day. I appreciate your time and good luck with everything. Thank you, Christian. I'm forever grateful for you. It was an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Hope I provided massive value to your listeners. Amazing. No, you were great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.